The following program has been pre-recorded. This week on Belonging, we have Kate Murphy, a senior at Vanderbilt University. She talks about her life as a young woman and what it's like working at the women's school. It's not about the hashtag. It's about communicating the message that God has given to you. Um, and so learning those tools or techniques of marketing might seem like a hassle to um, for the mission-driven Catholic entrepreneurs that I serve. And that's where I come in because I'm like, hey, this is actually really important so that you can find your ideal clients and you can serve the people you need to serve. Next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com. To find the right young Catholic connection for you, call the Catholic Youth Office of the Diocese of Nashville, 615-645-9762. Hello and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young adults here in the Diocese of Nashville. My name is Zach Jansen. We're joined by Father Javon. Uh, this week we have Miss Kate Murphy, a senior at Vanderbilt University, uh, here to talk about her life, uh, what she's doing as a young adult. So Kate, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's good uh, to be here. Yeah, well, we appreciate you coming back and uh, to talk again with us. Uh, but we're happy to hear about your life, what it's like as a, as a young woman here in Nashville. If, if you could please just tell us kind of, kind of what brought you, a little, little background about yourself, for those who don't. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, so I'm a college senior at Vanderbilt. I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and I am the fourth of six kids. So when it was my turn to kind of look at colleges, I already had three older siblings that were making their way down south, uh, going to schools relatively far from home. Um, and I knew that I wanted to follow suit, so I, I kind of looked at um, a school in the South, a research university, middle-sized, uh, but my mom did a great job of screening schools before I even looked at them. So she only gave me lists of schools that had a good Catholic community. Um, and I didn't really know that, but she, she knew and she was looking ahead of the game because she had put three kids into college and knew what she was looking for. So Vanderbilt made its way on my list and I visited my senior year of high school got a tour of the Frasati house, um, got to meet Cordy Soto, then Courtney Barnes, um, and I fell in love and then came here my freshman year and it's it's been a gift. So your mom narrowed down the list for you? And said she this. did, yep. Yeah, she was pretty intentional. She, 
knew about focus thought that would be great if there if there was a focus campus i was looking at she wanted to make sure that mass was accessible and different things especially because looking at colleges in the south there are plenty of schools that say oh we have like a priest but he's actually a pastor of three different parishes and we overworked and he offers confession once a month and like there's one daily mass a semester and yeah i just knew Pretty that was much, yes. yeah i knew i, knew I, I can see office. like so many schools like that yeah. right 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 so she she knew what she was looking out for me so. well what can you talk about the independence of your decision uh as far as not getting as far away as possible but just being on your own i'm in further down south uh some people might want to be in the same state or get across the country and as far away so what, what was that like for you to be on your own and say totally so. yeah i um i i loved moving away from home i think i I appreciated having older siblings and being able to learn from them and and their life experiences, but also from their mistakes. Um, But I just always knew I didn't want to just follow suit. So I didn't want to go to a school a sibling had been at. Um, I didn't really feel a need to be near family because I just wanted to experience something new. And now, now looking back on it, I think I look at my, my own decision, you know, college I was going to go to, the college experience that I wanted to create for myself. I think I was kind of naive in the choices that I made. And like, I just really wanted my own experience or wanted something different. And it was like God providing me with friends and with a community that I couldn't have created for myself. Um, that really blessed me. Um, so I thought, oh, I wanted this independent thing. And he's like, no, let me like create a space of familiarity and belonging for you. So we had, we've had so many uh, UCAS students on here or people that were focused missionaries that were greatly involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is it like for you now as a senior? How has your involvement changed when you came in as a freshman, maybe just learning the experience? Like, should I do on these retreats? Should I come that, to that dinner that night? And, and how has it changed? Now as you're about to leave Vanderbilt, um, mm-hmm. your perspective on it, do you see yourself and the students that are incoming? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think that's a great question. Um, I, yeah, I mean, starting out like freshman year, I was very involved. I got on board freshman spring and had been on UCAT board or serving in leadership in some capacity. And this senior spring is my first time not being in a leadership position since my freshman fall. Mm. Um, and so that means involvement has looked very different because they're, I think there's a way when, when you're just like a natural leader or an experienced leader, you have to kind of back up a little bit to give new leaders the space to like grow into themselves and to feel confident. Like they don't have to constantly look at, um, more experienced leaders for affirmation. Like you want to give them the space to feel like, Oh yeah, I'm the one leading this now. Um, and so my involvement has certainly, um, gone down and what's been really interesting has just been exploring like how God is calling me to mission in this season and what that looks like. Um, when there are no longer like students a year younger than me who I can directly invest in and what mission looks like when you don't have the Bible study of girls in your sorority that you are seeing week in and week out. Um, because focus has given me like such a gift in forming me in mission and equipping me with like how to invest in other people, particularly within the context of college. So I think a lot of this last year for me has been looking at like 
like how am I going to transition in mission um and that it just it's been really cool to see I've fortunately been kind of blessed with that transition because I've had um like former disciples graduate and move on into their own season of life so I'm no longer like formally investing them in the focus model um so there are like new women that I'm able to invest in there are the young younger leaders of UCAT that I'm able to um spend my time with invest in them um but also just looking at work and the women that I work with and the women I serve um it's been cool to see that like mission doesn't end when college does um and I don't know if that was something ever super explicitly like like I was given the tools it was kind of I had to see oh like my disciples are graduating or my my bible study kind of like dissolved and became like the senior girls bible study or all these different things and I was like okay something new is happening how am I going to respond I love that sentence, mission doesn't end when college does. What can you say about that as you see the seniors leave and think? Yeah, I think, just that, and, and, and I think that that's pretty much, I mean, I think it really hit it on. It's that that mission is, you know, Jesus gave us on a baptism. Go and make disciples through all creatures, you know, nations. So that mission is probably going to be different for a high school student, for a college student, but, you know, that making disciples, that, you know, proposing Jesus Christ and forming his disciples is always... It's, it's ingrained in my head. Now. It is, it is, right, it is right. yeah. And then I think my question is, like, how am I going to do this, you know, as Kate graduate, you know, as she work, as she go, you know, to a parish... How, how how is that going to look like you know mm-hmm. and then you know she gets married or you know become a sister or whatever like how does that how does that uh, uh, it's a possibility right <laughs> nothing is right it's, right it's a possibility uh, uh, just be open to whatever the Lord is saying and doing but you know how does it it's kind of, you know, the mission is the same. It's just like, how am I going to accomplish that mission? Or how am I going to, in my time in life right now, How can, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's caused me to reflect on two things. Number one, at the end of my life, what do I want to be true about me? And so what are... What are those like inherent desires like God has put on my life specific to me that I want to accomplish? Um, So reflecting on that has been powerful. But then also looking at like in this season right now, like who am I called to love? Um, Because I, I think like even looking at mission, I've seen so many times where like there are women I'm investing in and. I can just see their their living lives. They feel very unfulfilled. Um, They think they know Christ. They think they think that because they're they're Catholic or because they're Christian, like they've got it figured out, they found the thing, but they haven't yet um, encountered him in a personal way or really given um, like surrendered their life to him. And so I, I sit there and I'm like, oh, like I just want them to figure it out. Like when are they gonna? When are they gonna realize? When are they gonna like repent? When are they gonna come back to the sacraments? And when are they gonna live out this life? And so I think that all God wants me to do is just agonize over this. And instead he's like, I actually just need you to love them where they are right now. That, yeah, and I think that's the whole the whole the whole thing about accompaniment, you know? The the disciples or Emmaus. They were going to the wrong place and Jesus went with them. He just said, Chop chop. Right. He just went with them. Right. And allowed them to say, what are you talking about? Oh, those things like, 
oh, then you understand this? And like he went with them. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, that, that whole thing that is like, you know, he met them where they were. Yeah. So he walked with them and allowed them to go until they got it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And then he just appeared. And then mm-hmm. they go back to where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I think our, our, our goal as somebody who accompanies somebody is, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it doesn't work if I just say you're wrong. You just say, okay, look, tell me more about this. Right. You know, and, and how, how, how do you feel about this? And why do you feel? And then until the person like, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not Kate told me, you know, it's like, right. told me of, the Lord changed my heart. Now I can go back and mm-hmm. where I need to be. Mm-hmm. So you had briefly mentioned it. Can you tell us about the work or the ministry you're doing with, with women, believe that? Yes, yeah. So I work for the Women's School, which is a, a practical, practical coaching and training school for women. Um, so we have both programs for, for women to become students or for them to become coaches and coach other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of our, our mission is to really equip women to be confident in their own um, given and inherent worth so that they can contribute to the world because mm-hmm. we see a, a big crisis um, in people of all ages is that they don't know that they're worthy and they don't know that they have anything to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a big part of, of getting people to that place is helping form their self-image, helping them become aware of the ways that their their self-image has been warped by past experiences or by their own insecurities. Um, but then also giving them the tools, um, giving them like practical ways to cultivate um, the good life. And we, we call them skills. It looks a lot like virtue. Um, so instead of prudence, it's it's mind and mind management, time management, decision making um, to help women create the life that they actually want. Because like we believe that people are good and um, when their desires are matured, and like tested, they have good desires. Like there's a good there um, that's worth seeking out and finding the truth within. So I do a lot of marketing work, spend a lot of time on social media um, and doing PR. Hmm. I was also gonna ask you about that. What what is it that is warping women's minds that they are worthless or worthless? Mm-hmm. I guess is it the the culture, whether it be relationships or the or their career path? Is it comparing themselves to others or just that they're not? not good enough mm. um, that's a great question I mean I think two main things number one comparison that has obviously been exacerbated by social media by the media in general movies etc there's just a lot of like images these days there's a lot of keeping up I think right now we know too much about other people's lives that doesn't matter and not enough about people's lives that does matter yeah that's deep because it's not about and we talked about this. Let me see if this picture is good enough for Instagram. Right. Really? Right. And it's and it's crazy because I I a rule of thumb I give with some some clients that I work for with marketing when they're like, oh, is this post too vulnerable? Like, how do yeah, I balance? That's good. Right. I'm like, how do I balance like authenticity and vulnerability? And I'm like, the question you always need to ask yourself is like, who should be hearing this story from me directly before I post it to social media? True. So there's there's a crisis of oversharing, but then there's also this like 
fakeness that's like per like let me make this instagram post look perfectly curated and yet like very haphazard like i want to make it look like i put no effort into it so that's that's one crisis that women are experiencing the other which i think is a very direct form of spiritual attack is that i think if women were aware of the power that their beauty had in spiritual warfare satan wouldn't stand a chance and I think that that's the number one thing that he attacks for women because the moment they become convinced of their own beauty, he he can't do anything. And so by telling women, you're you're ugly, you're not enough. You you know if you had more X Y Z or if you were less whatever, uh, then this, you would be beautiful. And then we have this product that is going to make your right. It's this hamster yes, wheel yes. of there's always going to be something more. There's always going to be something more. Um, and also just making them to believe they will never be enough. Hmm. I think that's what's sad in, in a dating relationship, at least from the men's point of view, is that uh, if we yeah, we just tweak this, or if you just have blonde hair, or just something, some part of you is different. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about Jason, Jason Everett every episode on this show. I should probably stop doing He's that. He's supposed to Jason Everett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he brings up a good point about what men really should be looking for in women, that it's not, it's not your body that's like, if the body's all you're falling in love with, that doesn't make them unique at all. I can't think of it. He had a joke. I can't think of a sing single woman that I've met that doesn't have a body. You know, that's not what makes you unique. Like, obviously, they're going to have that. And if you're going to marry that person in 50 years, the body's not going to be the same. Right. Oh. You know, it's, you're, not, you're not getting married to a body. You're getting married to a person. Yeah. Emily, Emily Wilson talks about that. And she said she has so many women that'll come to her and say, oh, but like, what if, you know, a guy asked me out on a date and I'm just not attracted to him? And she kind of just walks women through that. But one thing she says is like, when you're, you know, when you're married and you have a newborn and the child is screaming in the night, are you going to say, thank goodness my husband is so attractive? Or are you going to say, thank goodness my husband is a virtuous man and is like up to go help our child and let me sleep? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's there's certainly an attack happening right now um, on women's beauty, and most of the women that I encounter, they have they have no idea, um, and that's something that that I love about the woman's school is we talk about this need to like redefine beauty. Um, and so our definition of beauty is the capacity to inspire and to breathe life into others. And so a woman's beauty should be calling others into their highest good and inviting them to be a better version of themselves. Like I think of the most beautiful women I've ever encountered, you know, first and foremost, our lady. And I look at her and I'm like, you are breathtaking and I want to be more like you. It's not like, oh, you have something I can't have. And if we are looking at Mary with this like, oh, you're so untouchable and irrelevant, then we need to go inward and look at what's going on. But but we should be able to really be presented with like the image of a beautiful woman and say, wow. And I think like, as you were talking, I think about a Dominican sister. Right, think right. Think about a sister of lives. Absolutely. Think about a daughter of charity. I mean, they only have what? Their face out. Right. And you see them. And they glow. Yes. They radiate. Yes. Like, they just are beaming. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. So it's not about... And I think that helps, you know, the girls that are watching us. It's not about showing parts of your body, you know. Right. And it's not that, you know, you're showing too much. It's not you're not showing enough. You know, the essential. 
can we see Jesus in you? Can we see Mary in you? You know what I mean? When you see those nuns and it's like, oh my gosh, yes. that's, mm-hmm. that's the beauty. You know, it's like, yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I love referencing people. You might know Sarah Swafford, a yeah. good speaker. I think you might, you might already know this analogy, but she, uh, I don't know, I think all the women asked, tell us what you find the most attractive in women. And we just, we just all want to know what the guys are thinking. And the guys got together and they thought, and the girls were like, is it going to be like our hair or our smile or right. our, our friendliness? And the guys thought, and then they got together. And when they, when they finally told it to the women, they said, all right, guys, what's it going to be? What, what, what do you like most about us? Is it when we smile at you or our voices? And the guys said, the thing that we find most attractive in women is holiness, hmm. which I guess you see that when you talk about sisters, how, how they are glowing. Authenticity. Right? Authenticity, I guess, yes. in a way. Huh? Yeah, it's just like, you know, yeah, yeah. I think that it's a, where is the reset button of the world, right? <laughs> let's, let's push that button and just start over because it's like, God, I mean, if if we were able to see people like God see us, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. But that's like that's the unique challenge we have in front of us right now. That I'm like, we got to get out of the way of ourselves. You know, like we see people through our own warped vision. Yeah. So it's not even like other people are warped. It's us. Yes. Like we're the ones that need the cataracts removed. Absolutely. And, and I think this this land I appreciate a lot in the IPMS about, you know, mm. if we if we understand that God loves us and there's nothing that we can do to earn that love because he already gave to us, I think that that is like it's a freedom experience mm-hmm. free us I don't need to do anything so that God can love me mm-hmm. God really loves me no matter what mm-hmm. and I think if we understand that it's like whoa mm-hmm. you know God mm-hmm. gave me salvation he, he wants he desires me not because I do this or because I'm a good person or a bad person he desires me because who I am mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he created me we have to understand this and then that from that you say he really loves me mm-hmm. therefore I don't want to see it's not that I don't right. want to see so he can love me right right oh, you know like all that stuff you know like he loves me he desires me he, you know I'm worth for him therefore I want to be a better version of myself I don't want to see I want to change my life I want him to come to my life and transform my life not to be loved by him but because I'm really loved by him absolutely and it, it, it is just like, can we understand this, please, people? God loves us. Is there something that you're seeing from the women of UCAP, what they're bringing to you as, as in their late teens, early 20s, as far as what they're maybe struggling with at this point in their life? Or, you know, I think, you know... Maybe she already hinted at it. Yeah, Kate hit it. You know, and it's just like if we... And, and you're, you know, the episode before, we were talking about, like, men's wounds, you know, like mm-hmm. that not be able to be feel the love of God and not mm-hmm. have that father. And I feel that like the women's womb is kind of, it's like a humanity womb, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't feel loved by God. Yeah. And if I don't understand that love God's good, God loves me, mm-hmm. everything else is kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so what's next for you after you graduate full-time with, is it the Women's Center? Right? The correct? Women's School, yeah. Women's School for yep. me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going full-time after I graduate, um, staying here in Nashville, so. 
So how, how does that help you grow? I know maybe you might be doing a lot of, is it, is it coaching or teaching? You know, I, I don't know, but usually you're working on social media. Yeah, so I do I do marketing. But how has it helped you grow as a young woman to seeing the stories that you may have seen as a woman? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I... It it is it has transformed my life. I had the opportunity to go through the course when I first started working for them. It just it completely like shifted how I saw dreams and goals and gave me this opportunity to like really align it with what God was asking of me. And I could kind of understand an urgency behind it. I think there's a lot of there's this sense of, oh, it's your twenties, like enjoy it, like just you know, have a good time. Like it's about you, it's your selfish decade, like 10 years of your life to only focus on you, which is, it's just all ridiculous. This is all garbage. But those are real claims being made. Those are real claims being made about your 20s. Um, And so taking this course and seeing everything oriented towards contributing to others, I was able to see how like, oh, like a, thinking, oh, if I just have like a selfish weekend where I don't see anyone, I don't spend time with my friends or I don't. My time, right? Right, it's just all my time. Like other people suffer that I'm supposed to be loving and serving right now. Or when I, like this morning, keep pressing snooze on the alarm, then I don't have time to like get up, get myself ready, like maybe pray more in the morning, uh, text a couple of people I'm thinking of, catch up with my mom. Like I've lost that opportunity to give of myself to others. Um, so that, yeah, that has been really transformational. Um, and then also I've just grown a lot. I, I knew nothing about marketing when I started working for them. And it was just little by little taking on tasks, working on projects, learning more, learning more, learning more. Um, then now I'm going to be working for them full time in marketing. And I also have some of my own clients on the side in my own business that I help them with social media management. So it's just, it's just been a joy. I mean, without, without the woman's school, I'd be in a very different place. So. And I think the, the biggest thing is like, it's not the marketing itself. Right. It's the truth that you found mm-hmm. and you are able to share with other people. Absolutely. Which is why, which is why I love marketing is I, it, it's not about the shiny graphic. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you to everyone in our listening audience as well. And special thank you to Father Javon. There's a lot with our show and Jim Crow as well. And thank you to, again to Kate Murphy. Remember, you can find our show uh, wherever you get your podcast by searching for Belonging for Young Catholic Adults. Uh, we're also on 100.5 FM on Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. Or you can listen online at NashvilleCR.com. My name is Zach Jansen. And thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville. Catholic Radio.